Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings in the name of the Lord and welcome to Warren Radio. This is Tower. I'm here with the Watchman and we are glad you joined us. Please send all your prayer requests and correspondence to us through our contact page at warn-usa.com. You can listen to our Warn Radio episodes on warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. And Warn Radio is now on the following platforms. Amazon Prime Music in Podcast, Spreaker, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Google Podcast, Deezer, Spotify, Anchor, and Pocket Cast. And do not miss these posts on warren-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. Cup of Sorrows, Truth of Righteousness Cup of Sorrows, the battle for truth and righteousness, finds it in the times of sorrow, commonly called the last days or the last of the last days. Nephilim, the thirteenth floor, Lucifer risen, from Still the Darkness, written by Dana Glenn Smith in Book One, let you see how a nation can find itself full of the devil literally. The Still Series book 1, written several years ago, fits into prophecy and excitement. Christian Living, Wise to Do Good and Evil Christian Living, Wise in a World Where Evil Plots and That Which is Good Seems to Fade Away We are, as believers, supposed to be wise concerning good and evil. The Night Far Spent in America A time when the deeds of people mirror those days of lawlessness spoken by the Apostle Paul. This is a time when we see that society is absurdly proud of being evil and prepossessed to to do as they please. The following are the latest posts on warn-usa.com. Noic Prophecy End of Days Classic Warn Radio Series Parts 1 through 7. Noic Prophecy End of Days Classic Warn Radio Series enters in at the gate of a ma- of the major prophecies for the time of the end the last days before the coming of the our Messiah and Lord Jesus Christ to this earth. The hammer and the hammer of justice and freedom brings to the forefront a radical lifestyle. This lifestyle is known to our generation because of his folk song of change. If I had a hammer Be sure to get your copy of The Rising. The Rising is a Christian fiction thriller by the watchman Dana Glenn Smith. Everything was okay, or so they thought. A truth so unbelievable, it took a miracle to fight back. Don't miss The Rising. The Rising continues the story of Mac, a former black ops sniper, and details the takeover of America. Hidden within the storyline of the rising is the truth of what's happening in America now. You can find your copy on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Ingram, Walmart. You can also get the rising ebook on Google Play. And you can also get your copy of the rising by going to danaglinsmith.com. And while on the site, be sure to sign up for the WIBR Warren Radio Newsletter and visit our Christian Books and Resource Shop. And now I welcome in the Watchman.
You're listening to Warren Radio on the WIBR Warren Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warren-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. And also follow us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, and join us on LinkedIn. Greetings, Dana. How are you doing tonight? Well, you know, in spite of the election, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's... Greetings, Dana. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing good. And uh, we are into spring. I know we always talk about the weather, but where you, when you live where we are, the weather's an important part. So at any rate, beautiful day, a little chilly. But beautiful day, spring is here. Spring has sprung and we are young. <laughs> and we are in Isaiah's prophetic book. Yes. It, on battle lines. So we're at part 164. So I'll read this. Who has believed brings us to part 164 on battle lines. As we cover Isaiah's prophetic book, both history and the prophets combine with the biblical writings of the apostles to unite in a narrative of the suffering servant, the greater son of David, the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. These portions of scripture in Isaiah chapters 52 and 53 are considered one of the greatest sections for the Messiah in Isaiah. When looking at the scripture of the church, the songs of the church, and the testimony, testimonies of those who wrote the scriptures under inspiration of the Spirit of God, the evidence is clear. However, we also ask, as in, we also ask, as is placed in scripture, this question, who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And now back to you, Dana. Thank you. Isaiah 52:14 As many as were as many were astonished at thee his visage was so marred more than any man in his form more than the sons of men The many who were astonished at thee He shall make thee to tremble, and he shall sprinkle many nations. The effect he produces by what he suffers. That's the next verse. So he shall shall he sprinkle. The sprinkling of the blood by the finger, by the way. Many nations the kings shall shut their mouths at him for that which had not been told them shall they see and that which they had not heard shall they consider that he who was himself regarded as unclean even as the second job would sprinkle and sanctify whole nations and thus abolish the wall of partition between israel and the heathen and gather together in one holy church with Israel those who had hitherto been pronounced unclean. Now that's from Kyle and Delish. And make no mistake about it when we start talking about these things. And, you know, growing up all my life knowing about Jesus, being in the church, you know, when we were going to church, everybody went to church. Everybody was in the church on Sunday. You couldn't even do nothing on Sundays. And whenever we would look at as many as were astonished at the, his visage was so marred, that's because of the suffering he went through and at the hands of those who beat him up. 
and he was literally beating up, beaten up by the the Romans who had taken charge of the crucifixion because the Jews it was on a particular Sabbath a holy Sabbath or as they call it a high Sabbath and so it was coming up and they wanted to make sure that you know they even wanted to get him off the cross they didn't want to clutter up anything because they were going to have a high Sabbath but they weren't that holy that they couldn't make sure the Son of God was suffered and died. But, you know, this was why he came. To suffer and to die in that cross. But you see, it's not just about dying. It's about being resurrected from the dead. He's the first fruits. And it's very important to understand these things. But finding them in Isaiah is amazing. And that's why when we look at these verses, I mean, as long as we've been in the church and as long as, I mean, the, these are all things that the Gentiles, these are all things in the churches. You know, we, this is where you find them. It's in Isaiah, a Jewish prophet. <laughs> you know, and it's regarding the Messiah. And he will sprinkle many nations. That's because of, you know, he's bringing redemption. And it's through the sprinkling of the blood, the very blood that he shed on that cross, that we are cleansed. And, you know, one of the greatest things there is, you know, when we talk about it, you know, is, is the little scripture that says, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him for without faith it is impossible to please God that's the beginning of that verse no faith you're in trouble you can't come to somebody if you don't think they're there you know that's ridiculous I'm, I'm going to go see Bob. Well, Bob doesn't exist. Well, I'm going to go see him anyway. But see, Yahshua existed. He still does. He's resurrected from the dead, and he's king of kings and lord of lords. He is the almighty mentioned in Revelation 1. And so the, you know, the Gentiles were quick to receive all this. And that's because... Uh, the fire got lit at the hands of Paul the Apostle who became the Apostle to the Gentiles and him and all those who worked with him went throughout the Roman Empire bringing the gospel and the Gentiles literally ate it up and you know uh, signs and wonders were following the Apostles everywhere they went and so when you get into verse uh, 15 here so shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see. And that which they had not heard shall they consider. And so Kyle and Delish also talk about the shutting of the mouths being the involuntary effect of the overpowering impression or the manifestation of their extreme amazement at one so suddenly brought out of the depths and lifted up to so great a height. See, uh, he died on the cross, you know, an ugly death, a shameful, and cursed is everyone that hangs on, on the tree or the cross. And, uh, you know, so it's, you're cursed, you know. And even the Jews were mocking him. He who saved others cannot save himself come down from there you know they mocked him and of course by then he had been beaten up and his visage you know his face and everything there you know you look at it and you, you just you tremble you know you just look at it and you just can't believe what you're seeing but see, he suffered this for you and me, the suffering Messiah. 
And so we are now in chapter 53. Those two verses were the last part portion of 52. And so as we look at this, it is a description, and it's Isaiah 52, 13 through 15, and Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. There's 12 verses in Isaiah 53, and there's two that pertain to this in Isaiah 52. And it's amazing. We got these 12, you know, plus two more scriptures pertaining to the suffering Messiah in Isaiah. In the midst of everything that I, Isaiah is saying, this blends right in with the narrative. And if you're not looking for it, you won't see it. But make no mistake, they, they were expecting the Messiah. They were expecting, you know, that one to come. Matter of fact, the women wanted to bear the Messiah. You know, it's not like they didn't know what a Messiah was. They were all asking him that. And uh, even in the early part of the Gospels, when we find, you know, uh, people in the temple there, they were looking for him. And the thing of it is, is when we look at all of it, we see that it was the the people, the you know, the high priest and all the others in the temple and the Pharisees that were the enemy. And they didn't recognize him. And of course there's scripture for that too. Everything has scripture. Now Albert Barnes talks about this portion, about these uh, scriptures. He said, it is the description of the suffering Messiah and is continued to the close of the next chapter. As the closing verses of this chapter are connected with the following chapter, and as it is of great importance to have just views of the design of this portion of Isaiah, he says, it is proper in this place to give an analysis of this part of the prophecy. The exaltation of the servant of Jehovah is the theme of the prophecy which follows Colin Delish. Isaiah 53.1 Who has believed our report to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, you know, the Lord went to his own and his own received him not. You know, they didn't believe. And they plotted to kill him. When you talk about the Pharisees and those in the temple, they plotted to kill him. The priests, all of them, plotted to get rid of him. <clears throat> and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And whenever we talk about the arm of the Lord... That is the power of God extended. And they use the, the form of the arm of the Lord as, as the one to say he's reaching down. Now the Messiah, Yahshua, was the arm of, of the Lord. And he was the one that brought the power of God into Jerusalem and to the Jews personally. You know, when he raised Lazarus from the dead... You know, the only thing that they could worry about was, what are we going to do now? He's raising people from the dead. You know, and that's the way it is. You know, you can, you can work at saving people, but there's, you know, you can't just come to the Lord anytime you want to. You have to be drawn. You know, a lot of people take this for granted, especially in America. That you can believe when you want to believe and unbelieve when you don't want to believe. And, and you can do anything you want to and then you can turn around and ask God to forgive you and all this other stuff. And we're, and we're very careless. And America is careless today. Don't understand there's a real God out there and there's a real Savior. 
the, the one that was suffering on the cross, the one that was beaten and his visage was so marred, the one that healed everybody else was not going to heal himself on that cross. He wasn't going to come down off of that cross. He could have called for legions of angels to take him down, but if he would have done that, there would have been no atonement for the rest of us, all of us, who, and he died for us. And that's all there is to it. You don't want to believe that's your problem. But he died for you. And in your unbelief or in your wickedness, in your stubbornness, in your vileness, in your condition, he died for you. And the thing about it is, is that he can heal you. He can heal your mind, body, soul, and spirit. And I remember to this day when I had problems with my wrist and and God was working in my life and I wasn't going to be able to do much if I didn't get them healed. I spent a lot of time speaking to these wrists in the name of the Lord, commanding them to be healed. And when my wrists hurt, I would turn them around and, and I would keep speaking. And guess what? They got healed. Healing comes in many forms, but I can tell you, Tower and I have seen the power of God. We know the presence of the Lord. We know his word. We know it's true. We don't need you to prove nothing to us. We know. And we believe. And we're not the only ones. And Isaiah here is speaking... And the word R refers to the fact that the message of Isaiah and of the other prophets had been alike rejected. And the Lord even brought this out when he was looking over Jerusalem. And he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets, how would I have gathered thee as a mother hen does her chicks? But you would have none of it. They stoned the prophets. They rejected the prophet. Well, one of the most famous is, of course, Jeremiah, who was warning them before they went into captivity. They wouldn't believe him. They argued with him. They told him, go home to his own country. Don't speak to us. Speak to us of smooth things. Don't speak to us of these things. You know, go to your own people and preach. Get away from us. You know, I mean, they were just adamant. And that's why it says, who has believed our report? Nobody believed the report. Well, some of them did. But I mean, we know from reading the Gospels, and it's quite clear from the testimonies of those who wrote the Gospels, what the issue was. It wasn't sin. They were jealous. They knew what he was doing. He raised people from the dead. These people hadn't seen anybody raised from the dead probably their entire lives. And yet they claim to be so holy and righteous. And the only thing they were worried about is losing what they, the little they had, you know, to a Messiah. There was a lot of fear. And this particularly, uh, according to Albert Brooks, says the annunciation which they had made of the Redeemer had been disregarded. And the message in regard to the Messiah had been rejected. That almost none had credited it and embraced it. And that's true. And even today, with the records in the gospel... There's still people that reject it. But we also see a lot of people embracing it. The message of the cross is ageless. And the suffering of the Messiah is done now. He's not going to come back for you to beat him and hang him on the cross. I got news for you. He's coming back as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's already done the other part. He put redemption out there. 
And the reason God waits, and sometimes it seems like a long time before he arrives, is so that as many as can be can be saved. They can repent. He just asks you to repent. Then follow him. In Isaiah 52, 13, and this is, of course, a ways before we got to this verse, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. You see, by dying on the cross, he overcame all principalities and powers. And that was sealed the minute he was resurrected from the dead. And he didn't go to those who rejected him. He went to his own. Those who had believed on him. He revealed himself to the apostles. He was seen as many uh, as by 500 at once. And that's just the beginning of the things they saw. Death couldn't hold him. So what are you going to do to him? You think that you're going to overthrow him? That's what the devil thinks. That's why he's going to get together an army and they're going to be at Jerusalem. And if you read Zechariah, you'll see the armies of the enemy right at the gates. There's going to be a big fight and the Messiah shows up. Here I am. <laughs> am I late? No, of course not. Yeah. Yeah, get ready to weep and howl. What do you think the devil's going to be doing? He ain't going to be very happy. Because his time of mockery and uncleanness, deceit and death and every kind of evil and wickedness is going to be over. You know, and another thing I see, especially in America, I see a point here in America where even with this depiction of Satan, and we saw it in... Uh, I think it was a, a football game. I didn't watch the football game. I just seen what they did at halftime. But you see, the devil is not a big, ugly thing dancing around with a pitchfork, you know, in a red costume. The devil is going to appear, going to have the appearance of an angel of light. He's going to appear saintly he's going to convince people to follow him there will be signs and wonders following him some of the biggest deceivers are the ones that don't look like a deceiver I mean I see some ugly guy thing with horns and a bloody red face and a red costume and a pointed tail and fire coming out no I ain't going to let him in <laughs> but you see some guy running around like some fancy butt preacher that we have hanging around here and signs and wonders following you'd be, how, you'd be surprised how fast people are going to follow people like that but see, the thing of it is, is the depth of his humili humiliation and death on the cross wasn't just because he came as the Messiah and he was in a human body. I mean, he lost a lot of glory by shedding his glory, giving it up so he could be born of a woman and come as the Messiah. You know, and I think it's chapter 17 of John, he talks about <clears throat> to restore me back to the glory I had with you in the beginning. When you talk about the humiliation, or, and for him it wasn't humiliation, it, it was love on his part. You know, no greater love has somebody than someone's going to die for you. And so this is, these are the things that come out in these verses. And the prudent, uh, the prudent uh, 
He's going to be exalted. He's going to be smart. He's not going to be stupid. He's, he's going to be very, very able to bring the message that God has given him. And in Isaiah 53.12, now the other one was 52.13. They just moved the numbers around. This is 53.12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Now that's in Isaiah, folks. That right there. That's the new covenant. Right there. In Isaiah. And they were expecting him to come. And there were some in that temple. That had been in there. Who were praying. All the time waiting for the consolation of Israel. And he had to be numbered with the transgressors. But yet he also had to be like the Passover lamb, blameless. And it would be through his blood. Just like the Passover lamb was applied to the lintel of the doorposts. And the death angel would pass over. So because of those, that cross and him dying on the cross. The death angel passed over all those who would receive him. And his blood is applied to our hearts and on our account. And so when we believe as Abraham believed God. And as we believe in the work of Christ on that cross. So it's imputed unto us for righteousness sake. Just like it was imputed unto Abraham for righteousness sake. This goes all the way back to the justification by faith. Goes all the way back to Abraham. Paul talks about this stuff in Galatians. It is time for the church. And I know there's a lot of you out there in the church that understand exactly what I'm saying. But see, we live in a, in, we live in a nation today that has a history of Christianity, a history of some of the greatest preachers that's ever walked the face of this earth, uh, history. And guess what? Today we are throwing it out. We are trampling on the blood of Christ. We're trampling all the work that's been done. We spit on the Bible. We spit on the truth of God. We need to repent. We need more than just what we see today in these revivals. We need a revival from D.C. all the way to the West Coast and all the way up north and down south and every place in between. Because we have made ourselves filthy. We have shed the innocent blood of Christ and spit it on the ground and we have said we will be our own gods we set a queen and we will see no sorrow and we want to kill innocent babies and we laugh when we beat other people up or we steal their things and we have a bunch of unrighteous punks out there who call themselves Antifa and BLM. And we have a bunch of people who are black who they themselves are as much a bigot as they accuse the whites of being bigots. We have sin everywhere. And you try to tell us that the fault of America is because of the whites? You can choke on that. You're going to die in your lies. It's because of the sins of men. It's because we refuse to repent. It's because this nation has been found wanting. And it's going to come. And you're going to be found wanting. And all this stuff in Isaiah says, In spite of your sins, America, I will forgive you if you will repent. That is why Christ died on the cross. To give you, bunch of sinners in this country, a chance and you righteous too who think you're too righteous. He gave us all a chance. And he's calling to you to listen. So the arm of the Lord was revealed. 
make no about it no doubt <laughs> no doubt about it the prophet sees this suffering servant i mean he's a sufferer he's despised and rejected of men and many of you have read the new testament accounts of all this you know very well what i'm talking about But see, at the time of his death on the cross, everybody forsook him, except for a few. Except for a few. Mary was at the cross. John was at the cross. But many others were gone. They watched him die. And there were others who took his body. He was dead. Their hopes had died. They had seen what he had done and they may not even have understood why this had to happen. But the leaders of the church are responsible for his death. They're responsible as well for convincing the Roman authorities to go ahead and crucify him when he didn't want to. And he's responsible because he gave in to the Jews. But you see, the thing of it is, he had to. It was prophesied. It was going to happen. For him going to the death and even suffering, it was something that had to be done and he knew it. And he knew that it would bring many sons and daughters into the kingdom. And I got news for you. If you're going to blame whites for everything or blacks or whoever. You're going to be in a lot of trouble. Because in heaven there's going to be every race, creed, color that there is. God doesn't save skins. He saves souls. Just like God doesn't save nations, he saves people. Just like the Lord told me a long time ago, and it came at a time when I was answering what was going on. The sin is not in the skin. The sin is that which lay within. And that is the problem, the sin condition, that which lay within. You can blame the color of the skin till you're blue in the face. But that ain't going to help you. You can kill and murder and rape. You can have all the money in the world. But in the end, when you're dying, you're on that bed, you're by yourself, and there's nobody that's going to help you when you die. Because the one that you have shut out, you have cursed, and you have forsaken... He is Lord of Lord and King of Kings and you rejected him. I heard the testimony of a famous rock star. Made lots of money. Lots of money. And he said the one thing he regretted in his life was not being prepared for eternity. Because when he was on the bed alone, there's nobody there except him. You know, I've watched and waited when my mother was on her deathbed. I wanted to be there for my dad, and he died without me. I was there at the side of my father-in-law. I was there for my mother-in-law and then I left to go take a shower because we'd been there a while and while I was away she died and I knew it. I felt like I felt her spirit pass by me. Death is a condition that's permanent but eternal life is a condition that is glorious and forever. And the prophet Isaiah is what he's relaying here. is telling you about that. This is prophecy. This is something that was given thousands of years ago. 
to a prophet who was trying to talk to is some sense into Israel, and they wouldn't listen. Even Moses told Israel that they were going to have trouble because they were stubborn. But in the end, as people and humans, we do tend to get stubborn. Isaiah 33.2 says, O Lord, be gracious unto us. We have waited for thee. Be thou their arm every morning, our salvation also in the time of trouble. In verse uh, Isaiah 40.10, Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. And the Lord was the arm of the Lord. He was the one to bring redemption and salvation. And it says in that previous verse, Be thou their arm every morning, our salvation in the time of trouble. We have waited for thee. And literally as Gentiles and and in the latter times, we have waited for the Son of God. We've waited for Yahshua. We've waited for our Redeemer and he still isn't here yet. But his spirit is within us. There is that patience. The patience of the saints. And uh, when we talk about who's speaking, and I talked about that a little bit, but I wanted to relay that... Uh, uh, one thing that they see here, others like Calvin, Sear, and Oler, they see the prophet himself speaking in connection with the other prophets. Israel had rejected the prophets. And if they rejected the prophets of old, it shouldn't be surprising they rejected the greater son of David, the Messiah, when he came. They rejected him. And when he wept over Jerusalem, he said, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Now they even go even further here with these and and I think there's truth to this when they say it is seen as Israel speak and as the nation acknowledges with penitence how shamefully it had mistaken its own savior lamenting it had put no faith in the tidings of the lofty and glorious calling of the servant of God. That is the Son of God, who died on the cross. They did shamefully reject him. And I think of America. We've rejected him. We've been rejecting him for years. And you know, people sing Christian songs and I know of quite a few Christian artists and I know that there's a number of them who also recanted their faith in Christ because with all of that glory and all that money comes trouble and they fail to believe Now you see as heathen, as the Gentiles, the Goyim, they received the glorious gospel with faith. Things that they had never heard of. They, they had never been aware of all the promises and the word of God. But Israel did hear it. Israel should have known the scriptures. But they didn't. 
They didn't recognize him when he came. And I want to make a note that they do when they're talking here. Call this Golden Passionale. One of the greatest prophecies of the future conversion of the nation which has rejected the servant of God and allowed the Gentiles to be the first to recognize him. I like that word passional or passional. In other words, we call like the passion of the Christ. His walk to the cross. His going to the cross. His debating and talking with all the Jews. Him healing on the Sabbath. And they wanted to get after him for it. They got to the point where they wanted to kill him. So it says of the Lord that he would not go into Jewry, the land where all the Jews were, because they wanted to kill him. And it seems today we have a lot of people who have some kind of religion and they're passionate about and they see the only way to get to heaven is to kill people. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. So we have a lot of people that are misled. We have a lot of people that are going to go to hell for what they believe. And there's a lot of people already in hell for what they've done. But there are multitudes in heaven for what they didn't do. They didn't keep their sins. They didn't keep their stubbornness. They submitted themselves. They repented. They acknowledged their sins and received the Messiah. Now that's passion. That's courage. It takes no courage to run around and kill people. It takes no courage to get with a bunch of your buddies and downgrade and tear people apart and steal. And you think it's cool when you're stealing and robbing and thieving. Well, make it known unto you. I make it known unto you today that whatever you do, it'll be rewarded back to you in this lifetime. So all you who call yourselves woke and are rioting on the streets, be careful because you're going to get your reward and you're not going to like it. Beware to all you who treat others worse than anybody would want to be treated. Because you're going to face the fire of the judgment. This nation is. And when you're in that fiery furnace of America and the judgment thereof that comes, there's not going to be any deliverance unless you repent. Romans 1.16, this is a good verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. See, preaching the gospel today, if you're an unbeliever, they consider anybody believing in the Bible, preaching the Bible, teaching the Bible is foolish stupid and today and in America that counts all such things absolutely ridiculous we are in sad shape in Isaiah 53 2 I like this verse a lot for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant as a root out of a dry ground he has no form or comeliness and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. 
See, Christ came as the man of sorrows or the suffering servant, the suffering Messiah. But I see Christ when he first was announced by the angels and the shepherds heard it and saw the majesty. And I see those who came to the babe bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's a little child in a manger, actually. It's not exactly as what we would think it would be. A sukkah. Something that they would build on Passover. A temporary structure. And here's that little tender plant of a baby in this crib. And Joseph and Mary had to take care of him and protect him. And the angels surrounded them. And then he became a young boy and a young man. See, he grew up before his father right there. And he knew from the beginning who he was and what his goal was. He knew what people were thinking. He knew what sins they carried. In him was all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But yet, his strength wasn't in his beauty of body, but in what he was going to do. And you see, the thing of it is, when we see all this, the main design of this whole stuff is to show you that the Redeemer would be greatly exalted. Now going to the cross, that's, yeah, they lifted you off the, off the ground and nailed you to the tree, but that's not what we're talking about. Because by dying and redeeming many sons and daughters unto glory, he's greatly exalted. Because just like when Lazarus was resurrected the dead and he was talking to his sisters they didn't quite get the point until he said I am the resurrection and the life you see it doesn't matter how dead he is doesn't matter how long but he's been in there for four days and he's going to stink that don't matter I am the resurrection of the life and the life and he brought him back from the dead that day and I will be willing to say this that they hadn't seen a miracle like that Israel hadn't in all of their lives they had read about things that were miraculous but they had never seen them and when they put this person whom many didn't believe at all on that cross many of them will never know until they see him on the day of judgment because you see when he came back from the dead and appeared to people he didn't appear to his enemies he appeared to his supporters those who believed in him So if you see the church taken out, don't be surprised if you don't really see what's going on. Because anybody that is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will take the mark and they will perish and they will be in eternal hellfire forever and ever and ever. And even though he was exalted after all that, make no doubt, he was exalted like no other one. 
in the beginning. He gave up everything to come and live as a human and be among us. And I think that's something we need to pay attention to. You know, and he faced all the human emotions. You know, when they beat him, it hurt. When he asked, you know, his disciples if they would pray with him, they fell asleep. He was alone. Except for his father. But there came a point that when he became sin for us, that his father turned away. Because the father can't look upon sin. You know, and the one thing that we can truly look at and that is if you look at the prophets of Israel especially Jeremiah there was no glory in being Jeremiah because they rejected him and hated him for his message because he's barren news of judgment I've been telling people about that that America as you know it would cease to exist for so long there's no glory in knowing that because your message is you need to repent But a lot of people have repented. In Zechariah 12, 10 through 14, And I'll pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications, and they will look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem as a mourning of, had, of Hadrimon, uh, I'm not sure how you say that, in the valley of Megiddo or Megiddo. The land shall mourn and every family apart, the family of the house of David apart and their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart and their wives apart, the family of the house of Levi apart, their wives apart, the family of Shemai apart and their wives apart. And all the families that remain, every family apart and their wives apart. That's called Zechariah's Great Lamentation. And we look at that as the day when Israel finally comes to recognize the Messiah. After the deceit of the beast and everything else is it at the end of the age when the Lord's come. But they will. He says, I'll pour upon the house of David upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And they will look upon me whom they have pierced. That wasn't when he came the first time. That's when he's going to come again. Father, thank you for your word. Bless your word to their heart, mind, soul, and spirit in Jesus' name. Be with them, watch over them, and bless them. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word. Okay, Tower, we're going to have to say goodbye. Good night, everybody. Thank you for joining us whenever you do. We pray for you and we love you. Keep looking up to the Lord and may he richly bless you for all you do for him. We love you. Good night, everybody. Shalom, everybody, and good night. We'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.